was such a horrible time. We should have had their names on the bottom of the screen. Uh, <clears throat> 2020 was actually one of our best years. Um, and, you know, a lot of people disagree with that. But for us, we, our faith in Jesus just grew exponentially. And we have this beautiful blessing, Miss Leah. And all during COVID and because of Jesus, we were stronger and we were able to pull through a time that a lot of people really lost faith in God and let fear creep in. 2020 was a bad year in general. Uh, I think going back to any year, there was no way for me to be comfortable with God in that every way. He added to it. He added it over and over and over again, financially, mentally, spiritually, to the place where our ministry is enriched. Oh, come on. Give Jesus a big shout. <laughs> Hallelujah. I tell you, it's uh, really awesome that the Travis and the media team, did they do a great job with that? That was awesome. And then the guys on there are also faithful and so cool to see what God's doing. You know, as we talk about this series, the reason we want to do this series, it is a time to recalibrate. And I believe many listening today, you hear those on social media as well. Uh, it's been a really difficult 18 months or so for many, many people, many, many families. And it's been a time where Satan has kind of, you know, tricked us into really focusing on our circumstances rather than Jesus and his word to the point that our circumstances are guiding or steering our life, guiding and steering our emotions. And we've had a lot of help with that, haven't we? I mean, when you think about the media and the political machines out there working and making profit, making profit because fear sells, making profit off people losing their lives, people, uh, families being shattered, uh, dreams being shattered, businesses closing, and even churches closing as well. And it's really sad to think about that. But here's what the good gospel news about this. If you'll get this statement, it'll really begin to transform your life. And that is simply this. As children of God, as sons and daughters of God, you and I have an unfair advantage over this world and this world system. We have an unfair advantage over this world and this world system. You and I can operate by faith into the unseen realm 
and began to move God and his power and his favor into the scene room. That's what Hebrews 11.1 says, right? says that, that now faith is what the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of the healing hoped for, the debt reduction hoped for, the increase hoped for, the, the healing of the marriage hoped for, the restoration of your family hoped for, the restoration of relationships hoped for, your, your walk with God that you've been hoping for, you could walk in that. Now faith is a substance of all those things that you've been hoping for. And it's proof, right, through the things that are unseen. And what I want you to realize is you have an unfair advantage to have faith. Now faith is simply knowing and trusting God. And Hebrews 11, 1, what does it do? It gives us the aspect of how faith operates. But I think about uh, uh, Zach and Ashley here on the front row, and I know, uh, Ashley had just gotten a new job and, and moved. This is before she got a new job. She's still serving at, at a, another restaurant. And, and Zach is like the assistant manager of a, a, a very large uh, restaurant here in Lexington. And man, they just had their second child and the world shuts down. And Zach had helped for months to get the place open and help hire employees, train them. And you know, our servers got hit just about harder than any other industry. So it wasn't only bearing weight on him, as he mentioned, it was bearing weight on the fact that those that God had had him bring on and witness to and try to help them transform their lives. And then even during that time, Ashley's home with the kids and the income stops and their unemployment, I think, went, was way, way late from getting that. But God. Now, that doesn't mean they don't, didn't have dark times. That doesn't mean that it didn't feel like God was moving or doing something on their behalf. But just about a month ago, God just miraculously touched their family in a way that's just, it's, it's definitely a miracle, a sign of wonder, and totally transformed everything for them. Now, that didn't just happen on that day. You see, God doesn't always move quickly, but he moves suddenly. He doesn't always move when we want him to, but he moves suddenly. He moves right on time every time. Because there's things you go through in life that you just need to go through. You just need to go through. And you don't want to, it doesn't feel good, it stinks, it hurts, it's awful, it's miserable, but through is important. And because of what they went through over the last 16 months or so has made your marriage stronger than ever. You already had a good marriage, stronger than ever. Your faith in God stronger than ever. Ignited. I heard him say, well, in my ministry, you see, he, 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 even though he's the assistant general manager, assistant manager or whatever there, he, that's also his ministry. And what I want you to realize, guys, is you have been called for such a time as this. And we must put fear behind us. We actually must put fear and the evidence of it under our feet. Because God said, coming into this year, this is a year we're going to experience freedom like never, ever before. Freedom like never, ever before, right? Freedom in our families, freedom in love, freedom in living, giving, serving, and receiving like never, ever before. And if you want to walk in freedom, you got to walk in faith. And if we're going to go from panic, recalibrate, where we're living in maybe a panic, what we got to do to get to peace, what we got to do is recalibrate fear into faith. And I'm here today to challenge you with that. And I'm going to take you to a scripture that even God's own disciples were challenged with this same topic. So turn with me, if you would, to Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 14, beginning in verse 22, I'm going to read some scriptures to you. 
But I really want you to get this in your heart today about recalibrating because God has given you a promise. We've been living since 2017 that, uh, on the word that God said that we were going to have supernatural uh, uh, increase. What? From, from what? From clarity, growth, and vitality. And now we're coming in. And then he doubled it up the next year. And uh, we'll actually had that in 2018 and then 19. And then 2020, he doubled it up. And what I want you to read, 2021, here we are now in 2021, and it is the time now to access that freedom. Anybody ready for some freedom right now? Because, you know, fear, what does it do? It weighs you down. It holds you back. It, it, it's a burden you're carrying that Jesus already paid the price for. And if you choose to carry it, you can carry it. You know, you know worry is a choice. Do you know suffering is a choice? Any one of us could sit here and take five minutes and be suffering, maybe five seconds. All we have to do is focus on a loved one that we love so much that's passed or focus on an embarrassment or a loss of a job or, or a broken marriage we, or, or something with our kids. We, we could focus on something. I don't care if you're in junior high. You could focus for about 20, 30 seconds and be suffering. Suffering is a choice. Say suffering is a choice. Say, worry is a choice. You are today the sum total of every decision you've ever made. So whatever state you're living in, if you're living in fear, if you're living in worry, if you're living in hesitation, if you're living even in poverty, every decision you've ever made to this point has brought you to this state that you're in. And when we talk about state, what are we talking about? We're talking about your emotions. That's your energy. If you've got down emotions, you, don't, you have low energy, right? But, man, if you're fired up, excited, and jubilant, what do you have? You have high energy. And God wants you to walk around in high energy. He wants you to walk around in high faith, not low, not middle, not a little. He wants you in high faith. Say, God wants me in high faith. Say, this is my year for high faith. Hmm. So don't set your target to just get through. Don't, don't set the mark of, you know, just enough. He's a God of more than enough. Does anyone believe that today? Amen. You ready to recal recalibrate right now? So we move from panic to peace as we move from fear, uh, fear to faith. And here's the great, great scripture beginning in verse 2, Matthew four, 22, verse, Matthew 14. Imme I'm in a hurry trying to get to it. I'm sorry. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples, so what happened? He just fed the 5,000 men and their families on what? Uh, the boys... Two, uh, two fishes and what, five loaves of bread. So he just fed them, right, right there, and blew everybody away. Not only did people get healed and set free and all that, but he fed them. What a, a miraculous thing that was. And after all that took place, what did he do? He sent his disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee, which is the Lake of Gennesaret, or Sea of Galilee, you can call it. And, and so he sent them across. And so this all happened, and it says Jesus, after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross over to the other side of the lake. While he, sent, while, he sent his, while he sent the people home, after sending them home, all those thousands of people, right, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. I believe the number, two reasons I believe he went up to pray. Number one, he was being tested. Because remember, right before he fed those people and was preaching, he just got word that his first cousin, John the Baptist, had, had been beheaded. So, so he was obviously like you and I. That's someone he knew. 
and that had baptized him, that he loved, and was the forerunner announcing him, and he had been killed, made a martyr. So that was probably heavy on his heart. But I believe the second reason is sometimes you just got to have a mission that you can't handle. Sometimes I believe God opens the door and lets the wind of circumstances in life just blow you out into troubled waters. Sometimes you want smooth sailing. That means you have a lot of faith. When really, if that happens too long, your faith meter goes down because you didn't use it. The Bible tells us that we receive gifts from God and they increase for the reason of use or practice. If you don't have to practice your faith, your faith muscle gets weak. I don't care who you are, me, you, or anyone. And that's why it's so difficult for families or people that's doing pretty good in life and they love God and they're pretty committed and they, you know, all that for years. And then all of a sudden, tragedy hits the family through loss of a loved one, through an illness or a terminal illness, through, you know, bankruptcy, sudden bankruptcy, whatever it is, all these things hit, like back in 07 when the economy crashed and you didn't see us nothing being built for years or anything around the city. It was, the, it was eerie. And, 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 man, there were so many tragedies out of that and so many believers that weren't ready that fell away or totally destroyed their life and their marriage and their family. And then we see the same thing with COVID. It was even more eerie because everyone and everything was shut down, not just the economy. The world was basically shut down, and it's still trying to reopen, and people say, get back to normal. I don't want normal. God didn't create us to be normal. He created us. If All we have to have is a mustard seed of faith, and we can change the world. So, so stop looking for what you need or have to have to do what God called you to do. He wouldn't put you in this world at this time, this planet, without equipping you to do way more than you ever thought you could do on way less. Mm, that's good for somebody. So where was I? Verse 24, I think. So meanwhile, the disciples were, so he went up to pray. Yeah, then meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, far away from land. They didn't have no safety nets out there to help them, right? For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting with weight, heavy weights. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Hmm. You know, I was just praying and meditating on this. I preached this many different ways and different things, but it just really hit me today. Man, this morning and even last night, you know, he probably wanted to walk on the water at night, because people, the average general public wouldn't see him. And if they saw him walking on water, they'd never let him crucify him, right? So he couldn't do that. But he let it get nice and dark. When he got through and prayed through what he needed to pray over with God, and also let those disciples just get out there just enough where they couldn't ride on his skirt tail or his shawl or whatever, and they're on their own. I think he was wanting to see what they had in them. They'd been with him for over two years. They'd seen him raise the dead, heal the sick, set the captives free, just fed 5,000 men and their families. That was probably 20 to 30,000 people fed with, you know, two, two fish and five loaves, a little boy's lunch, right? I think he was just kind of waiting to see because in the nighttime, when things get dark and you can't see clearly, when, when things get rough and you get disoriented, you're going to find out what kind of faith you have. And it says, uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. 
In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said. In other words, he said, when the rotter is troubled, it's dark, and you can't really make me out if it's me or the devil. <laughs> when you can't really make out where it's me or the devil, he said what? Don't be afraid. In other words, no matter what situation we are, now I understand we have anxiety, it hits us every now and then, certain things hit us with fear, but the more mature we get in God, our reaction won't be fear. It'll be faith and see it as an opportunity. Uh, and once he spoke to him about that, and they said, then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus said, yes, come. Yes, come. Jesus said, so Peter went out over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. He didn't follow the first step. He didn't just go, boom. And I mean, these boats weren't that big. They were just about 20 feet long, if that, little narrow boats that were fishing boats, hold nets. The water was probably washing up on the sides. And, I mean, we've been on the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of like Lake Erie or something. It's almost like an ocean. And when that wind blows up between those mountains, there's nowhere for it to go. The waves get 6, 10, 12, 20 feet high. I can imagine how they're going through there, and he, instead of hanging on to the bottom, what's he do? He steps out. Took a lot of faith, didn't it? I believe during COVID, a lot of you stepped out. But then again, you got scared after that or it didn't turn out as soon as you thought it would, right? That's what happened to Peter here. But at least he had, a, he had faith to take a step. Say, I have faith to take a step. And then it said, uh, he started him to come, and he walked on the water toward Jesus in verse 30. But he saw the strong wind and waves, and he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus didn't say, well, let me let you go down a couple times, let you really feel that you need some more faith. No, he, as soon as he called on him, what did Jesus do? Immediately immediately reached out and grabbed him. But he did tell him, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Well, I wonder what the guys in the boat, what their faith was. He had little faith, right? He said, why did you doubt me? Well, Peter wasn't really doubting Jesus, right? He was doubting those waves out there. They looked really big and the wind was strong. And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Hmm, the test was over. See, we're coming toward the end of COVID. And where are you going to be when the wind stops? Where are you going to be when the test is over? Will you pass it? Then the disciples worshiped him. Well, they called him a ghost, and now they're worshiping him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. So verses 24 and 26 tell us that while they were in trouble and they were far away from the land and they were out there and, and you know in the storm, and it says that Jesus came toward them, and walking on the water, and when they saw him, they called him a ghost. What I want you to realize, when you are in fear, it brings confusion. Satan's goal is to get you disoriented. Satan's goal is to get you off your game. Satan's goal is to get you doubt what you firmly believe and what you know to be true. So that was his goal. Well, you know, why is everybody picking on me, right? Why, why am I the one that always has the bad relationship? Why am I always the one that gets demoted? Why am I? Get your eyes off of that stuff and get it on Jesus. Get your eyes off what man says about you and what you've been, even been saying about you and find out what the Word of God says about you. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people to show forth the praises of the Lamb of God who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God doesn't want you to live in darkness. He wants you to bring light into the darkness. 
But until you get a revelation that you're a king's kid, until you get a revelation that you've been chosen and selected by God, that word that means royalty, it means that basileos means royalty. You've been not only selected, but you have been established and empowered as sons and daughters of God, and you walk in the royalty of the kingdom of God. You're his ambassador on this earth, whether you know it or not. You hear me say it all the time. I say it in a prayer. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. What's happening in you is greater than what's happening to you or around you. COVID cannot affect you unless you allow it to. Well, but you don't understand. We lost our job. We could lose our home. We lost our cars. Yeah, but if you understand faith, the Bible says that whatever the strong man took from you or stole from you, how many times does he have to give it back to you? Seven times, not just seven, 700% of whatever. You need to write down whatever's been stolen from you. Now, I'm not talking about what you crawled up under your bed and shook and let go. I'm talking about what was took from you, what was stolen from you. And you begin to command, write it down, and count every time it increases because by the end of this year, you'll get seven times if you'll stand and be firm. Unless you just keep looking on your circumstances. that Well, how can I do that? I can't tithe. I can't sow. I have less than I did before. You'll keep having less or just enough. I, I think it's better to not have enough at all than have just enough. Just enough. Kind of like that lukewarm water, right? The Word says in Revelation, I'd rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He said, when you're lukewarm, you don't even know where you are. If you can't locate where you are, how are you going to have a map to get to where you need to be? So the disciples here, they had been with Jesus for over two years, and now they look at him and call him a ghost. I mean, that's pretty wild when you think about it as he came across the lake. Now, they had been away from Jesus for a while, and when they see him walking toward them, what do they do? It said Peter, they began to look at him, and that frightened them because they didn't quite see God clearly and understand what God was saying or doing. And then on top of that, and we even had wonderful prophets and prophetesses get it wrong uh, throughout COVID, some got it right, but a lot got it wrong. But we can't throw the baby out in the bathwater, right? What, what if we got thrown out of our gift set every time we got it wrong? Need to have a little grace, people. But learn, make sure all prophecies of words line up with the Word of God. But anyway, on, on top of that, uh, as we look at that, they were focused not on that, but they were focused on the wind and the waves. In other words, they were focused on the circumstances. One circumstance, I can't see God clearly. I, I can't hear him like I was hearing him a year ago or two years ago or even a month ago or last week. I can't hear him like I could hear him, I, I, but I can hear those big waves and that wind blowing out there. I can't see him, but I see that water spraying up over the boat and we may perish. And now I see this figure that might even not be God. It might be Satan. It might be a ghost. That's all circumstances. That's facts. Mostly, which he wasn't, he was a ghost, he's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that was mainly facts, but not the truth. You see, the fact says you can't walk on water, but the truth walked on the water. The fact says you can't calm the storms, but the truth didn't even speak to it when he got back in the boat and got Peter in, the storm ceased. Know the truth, and the truth will. And then what Jesus say in John chapter 4, he said, that my true worshipers will worship me, what? In spirit and truth. 
So what we got to do is keep our spirit right and our spirit and heart right and clear, and you can't walk in a right spirit if you're in fear. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Or it can even be real evidence appearing real. But you got to realize truth trumps fact. Facts are natural. Truth is supernatural. Facts are real. Truth is miraculous. Well, what are you going to do with all things are possible to who? 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 Tell me. Who? If you don't know this, you're not going to do very well in the next coming months. Who? All things are possible to who? Me that do what? Here, they just saw him feed all those people, heal the sick, raise the dead, and they had a problem believing. You think you really believe? You will not but know that you really believe until you go through hell and understand through is important. Now, you know, I'm not one of these preachers that preaches suffering and all that, but I'll tell you this much, you only fail if you don't learn something. All quiet in the Holy Ghost house. But Lord, I don't understand. You don't need to understand. He is Lord and Lord of all. And every name is named and every must bow its knee to that name, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Every name that is named. If your storm has a name, bankruptcy, unemployment, illness, terminal illness, divorce, you know, backslidden children, just name it, baby. Just when you name it, you have the authority to release a turnaround over that situation. You, you need to celebrate what you lost. Say, well, but I lost loved ones and they're in heaven. Well, here's the thing. They're in heaven. They, they won the race. They beat you. Well, I don't know if they went to heaven. Well, the Bible says, you know, there'll be people we expected in heaven. There'll be people we expected that weren't there and people we didn't expect that were there. Just leave it in God's hands and you do what you got to do. But whatever it is, whatever you do, Whatever you do, say whatever you do. Focus on the truth because truth trumps fact every time. Say, say, this is my time. Say, I am free because the truth made me free. So anyway, I'm really not preaching the message yet. But I guess it's the message the Holy Ghost wanted, right? So they were focusing on their circumstances. Now, here's the thing that happens to you. When you get so caught up on your circumstances, Jesus could be right there in the middle stepping up to him, and you miss him. They're in this thing, going to lose their life, the storm, the crashing, and there Jesus is walking to them, and they're like, help us, help us. I bet they were praying, and Shondai, Rondai, tie your bow tie, ride down the road in a Honda all day long. They were doing everything they could do. They were probably even doing Hail Marys. I don't know. That was before all that. But anyway, just a joke. But anyway, they were doing whatever. They were probably ready to switch religions or create new religions because they didn't want to die. <laughs> but God. My wife's laughing at me. Switch religions. I love you, baby. Even when you laugh at me, that's just a fact. I know the truth. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's like, I'll get that microphone in a minute. So, so 
even in the time, guys, you got to realize, look for Jesus in whatever circumstance you're facing. Whatever trial, look for Jesus. And if you'll look for Jesus, you'll find him. And what do he do? As soon as they cried out Jesus, what do he do? Immediately he pulled Peter out of the water, right? So <clears throat> here they are. They're focused on their circumstances, and then they completely missed Jesus walking toward them. You don't want to miss him, right? And, and here we see the fact is that they thought Jesus, we said, was a ghost, right? So what I want you to realize is that facts can distort reality. I didn't say they were lies, but you don't live in the reality of this world. You live in the reality as king's kids, sons and daughters of God. You're on a mission in this world. You're on a mission to bring transformation. You're on a mission to save the lost. You're on a mission to heal the sick. You're on a mission to set the captives free. You're on a mission, what? To raise the dead. You're on a mission. Don't look for a sign. Signs are supposed to follow you. He said, then go preach my gospel with signs following. Signs follow you and your word. Stop looking for a sign. Look for Jesus. Well, if that's really Jesus, I guess I'll get a quiver in my belly or something. No, you just ate too much jelly with your biscuits this morning. That's all that is. Got quiver. It's not that. Anyway, man, I'm feeling frisky this morning. Look at it. So, so faith, what, what you realize, fear distorts reality. Whatever, you know, a lot of the reasons people are not successful, they're fearful of success. If I get out of debt, how will I really be? If I had a million dollars in the bank, I might backslide. You know, I might, I might blow my family up if we got an increase in our income. I don't know if we could handle it. Or if I didn't have any aches or pains in my body, would I really trust Jesus? I'd rather trust him without the ache and pain. I don't know about you. See, see you can have fear of success just like you do fear of failure. So what? Fear, any kind of fear. Fear will distort a healthy marriage and make you think it's not. Fear will distort great relationships with your family and make you think that it's not. Fear will distort, you know, blessing and favor God wants to bring on your life if you're not careful. What does fear do? Fear will make you see things that aren't there. They thought it was a ghost, but it wasn't. It was Jesus. Fear will make you see things that aren't there. Faith will make you see things that you can't see that are there. <laughs> so, so as we look at this, fear will also make you not see things that are there. So when you're in fear, well, fear is reverencing God. You better be reverencing God while you're doing it. That means you're reverencing him, want to honor him and obey him and serve him and do whatever he's asked you to do and worship him. But when it's fear and you're fearful of loss, Death, you know, setbacks, embarrassment, whatever it is. That's fear. That's not fear of worshiping God. That's fear of man. That's fear uh, uh, of failure. That's fear of being known or not being known. So fear will not only make you see things that aren't there, but fear will also make you see thing, not see things that are there. So fear won't let you see the church family you're craving 
because it shows the offense you got hurt in in the last church. Fear won't show you the potential of your, you a potential spouse in your life. It shows you the potential rejection if you try. Fear won't show you the promotion at work you could have. It shows you the qualifications you don't have. Fear won't show you the business you could own. Fear just shows you the bills you owe. So fear can make you see things that are not there and make you not see things that are there. Fear does what? Fear brings confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, the first part of verse 33 says, For God is not the author, right, of confusion. Or Confucius. <laughs> Just seeing if you were awake. For God is not the author of confusion, but of what? Peace. And a lot of times when I'm speaking to someone and they're wanting advice, and I, I, God hadn't given us the answer. It could go this way. It could go that way. But they got to make a, a, a decision, and it's an important decision. You know what they need to do? I say, let peace be your umpire. If you love God, and you put it in God's hands, and even though it might not seem like the best thing to do, if it lines up with the Word and your heart and God, and you have peace, let peace be your umpire. That doesn't mean it'll turn out like you think it will be in a week or even a year or two, but it means in the long run, or maybe the short run, but even in the long run, it's going to turn out in your favor and bring greater blessing than if you make a decision without peace. So if there's confusion in your life, God didn't write that in your life. That's not part of your story. He didn't, want, he didn't say you wouldn't be attacked. He didn't say you wouldn't have to use your faith. He didn't say that you wouldn't be persecuted and lied, for the sake, lied on for the sake of the gospel. He didn't say it. No, he said you would, as a matter of fact. But what he did say, what he did say is you don't have to live in confusion because confusion distorts who you are and your identity in Christ. You know, all Satan is after is your identity. That's all he was after with Adam and Eve. They didn't have anything in the garden he wanted. He had what he needed. But what he wanted was their identity. Once he got their identity, he owned everything they owned. And if Satan can get your identity and get you thinking, I'm just a little human, you know, going to heaven, and someday I'll get to heaven, you know, by the hair of my chinny chin chin. If you're a woman, that's a little tough. And my, the skin of my teeth. When I said I feel frisky, my wife goes, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, so we got to look at this, guys, and, and understand that what you're going through, the only important thing is, is through. Because when you get through, you're not going to be who you were. When you get through, whatever was breaking your heart, attacking your body, attacking your family is going to become your ministry. You're going to have an anointing for it. I mean, even today, I used to see people healed at these altars. I told you, blind eyes, different things, and other places I ministered. And my mom got healed of cancer, but it came back a few years later, and she died like seven years later, and she was 77, but I was still mad. It's my mama. And I went into depression over that and a few other things that came out. But you know, the healing anointing on me, Michael, is stronger than it's ever been, isn't it? You, you can even see it. Been here with me 21 years. So, so what I realized, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot more dangerous and a heck of a lot more painful to buy into the facts and the reality of this world rather than tapping into the grace of Jesus and the gifts and the blessing he has for you. Then you put this world under your feet. But now I don't even have to work so hard for it. I mean, it's because I know it's God anyway. 
When he says do it, I just obey. I'm just dumb enough to obey. I'm not going to say dumb. I'm not dumb. Amen. But I'm just maybe naive enough to obey. I trust him no matter what. Sometimes I miss him. But thank God for repentance, right? Because when you repent, what? Immediately he reaches out and grabs you. So, verse 27, it says that, so so Satan wants to operate through confusion, doesn't he? Now, God wants to operate through confidence. That's what faith is, trust. It said in verses 27 and 28, because what? Peter just stepped out, didn't he? He just stepped out into the water. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. See, he was very specific. Sometimes you're saying, Lord, you know, oh, Jesus, Jesus, just tell me to get in your will, Lord. Just tell me to get in your presence. Oh, Lord, just tell me what I need to do. You know, just help me, Jesus. That's better than not calling on Jesus at all. Help is all right. Better than not calling. But look what Peter did. He, he really had revelation beyond his maturity. And we got to watch revelation beyond our maturity can cause some extra bruises that we don't have to have. But look what he said. He didn't just say, tell me to come to you. The water, the wind could have blowed the boat over there. Right? He didn't even say stop the wind or the storm. He said, Lord, he said, you tell me to come to you walking on the water. I bet those other guys say, this is it, Peter. You're done. I knew you'd be the first one done out of this group. You you didn't even make it long enough to be a martyr. You just killed yourself. Sure, they're just hanging on, thinking, old Pete gets over, boom, takes some steps. A lot more than I've ever done. I don't know about you. And recorded in history the more than anyone ever ever done. And what did he do? He took some steps. And then he did what a lot of us do. But what, what I want you to get out of this when you're not in confusion, he just got a moment, a second where the confusion left. He was calling Jesus a ghost and everything else. And then about that moment, he got his mind off his circumstances and I could die, I could drown. That could be a ghost, the devil, whatever it is, a sea urchin. I don't know. But he's, all of a sudden, clarity came in his spirit. And he said, he said you tell me. See, when, when you operate on what Jesus tells you to do. Well, I, pastor, I try to do that. Well, you know what he told you to do in John 14? You're not going to like it. You will not only do the works I've done. Did Jesus do any good works? Great works. But he said, you will do even greater works than these. Huh. It's a pretty high bar. Well, it's just the whole body. What, the whole body? I haven't heard of the whole body doing a whole lot myself. Not in this, not in other nations, yeah. Doing some stuff. But you at least better make sure you're part of that body that believes that stuff and you're, you're walking out in it. So we see here that Peter got filled with confusion as soon as he stepped out and took a few steps. Now he's telling Jesus he wants to walk on the water. Look, what made the difference? Verse 27, Jesus spoke to him. And Peter heard what Jesus said and listened to the word of God. So when you listen to the word of God, it will produce faith in your life. Remember, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Jesus. He is the Word. He is the Logos, the sum, total, and purpose, and plan of God. He is the rhema, the promises out of the purpose and plan of God. And so what happened was when Peter did this, you know, he was listening, 
And as soon as he even said it, you know, what's interesting, Jesus didn't really say it. He just said, come on. But Peter said, told him what to tell him. Teaches us to learn the word of God, get it in our spirit, man, and speak it out over our situations. Then what Romans 10, 17 says, uh, so then faith comes what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So hearing, faith comes by hearing the word and hearing means the revelation of Jesus, right? Now the NLT, New Living Translation says, so then faith comes by hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Christ, Christos, the anointed one and his anointing. Peter heard the word in the midst of the storm. It led him to something he couldn't normally do. So faith in Jesus is going to, if you could do it without faith, you didn't use faith. You know, you use faith. Some things you're living in now took a lot of faith to get there, but you're living it by habit and circumstance now. Let's see if it gets taken from you how much faith you have. You don't measure your faith when you're cruising because you really don't know where you're at. You know, you hear of all these undefeated football teams and baseball teams and basketball teams and all that stuff, and, and, and just like Gonzaga, right? So they're beating everybody, but they still hadn't been tested. They were prepared for that. And then when it came to the final game, they got beat. They got defeated. They could have had a perfect season. And it's like that in life. You're on a great roll. You're winning every little battle. Things are good. Everything's awesome. Then all of a sudden, you come up and fight with the devil, and, and you get smacked around a little bit. Well, now you know where your faith level was. So all you do is what? Recalibrate your faith. And go, you know what, Lord? It's been revealed to me now. And you said, I'm the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. Greater is he who's in me and he's this world. You said in your word that no weapon formed against me can prosper. You said in your word that you give me a good, expected, prosperous end. So therefore, come here, devil. I need to talk to you now. You're already defeated. The Bible says you're growing dimmer and dimmer every day. Your mission is to burn in the lake of fire with all your imps and demons from hell forever. That's who you are. Luke's gospel says you were already kicked out of heaven like lightning hitting the earth. That's why you went so deep into the earth and had to come back up out of it of hell. So therefore, get behind me, Satan. Get under my feet. Now, Lord, remember, he's got to give me, wait, come back, Satan. You've got to go get me seven times what you stole from me. Well, preacher, that's just crazy. That's crazy talk. That's why you get what you get and I get what I get. You just need to get crazy. You just need to get crazy. You just need to tell the devil. Well, well what if that preacher is just running his mouth up there, lying or don't know what he's talking about? Try it and see. Just try it. That's why we gave people a 90-day refund on tithing that, never, that had been tithing. Nobody's asked for a refund back. People have been increasing and blessed. If they do, I'll give it to them gladly. I don't want that in our treasury anyway. <laughs> Get that out of here. I'll even give you a little, I'll give you some interest on it. Because you're going to need it. <laughs> Way more than I need it. The church needs it. I mean, it's not mine. It's the church. I better wrap up here. Okay, so fear, when does fear come? Fear comes when I take my eyes off Jesus and put it on my circumstances. We saw that in verses 29 and 30. 
So whenever he went over the side of the boat, Peter was all fired up, took some steps. Everything was good. Didn't say he sank halfway down and then looked at the waves. He was walking. Say he was walking. And he was on his way. But all of a sudden, he felt that wind and heard those waves that distracted him. So Satan loves to move in distractions. Because if he can get you distracted, he'll get you discouraged. And if he can get you discouraged, he'll get you to depart your faith. That's the way he operates. So as Peter was walking on the water toward Jesus, the circumstances didn't change. The storm was just as bad as it was. Nothing really changed except his focus. COVID can't change anything other than natural stuff unless you lose your focus. And then you're going to do better and have more and be stronger in faith than ever before if you'll get your focus back on Jesus. So his eyes went from Jesus to being on the wind, being on the wind. Here he was. You know, he was all focused on that wind. Boy, when he saw Jesus and thought he was a ghost, he forgot about the wind and the waves. He's worried about that ghost out there. And then when he called out and he found out it was Jesus, man, he was not even thinking about that wind until he got out there and was doing pretty good for a few steps. And then we see that he went from listening to the word, Jesus, to listening to the winds. And that's the way so many people started the pandemic, especially church folks, started it in faith. Well, you know, this will bring a lot of people to the kingdom. You know, this will be all right. We'll get through this. It's not fun. And a few months into it, I don't know, Gertrude. What do you think? I don't know, Elroy. We may not make it through this one. This is a big one. I don't know if the world might end. And, and just get down and down and down to where really Satan is just really <clears throat> give the church the hardest blow it's ever had since its existence as, as far as the world goes. And uh, <clears throat> so it really became COVID-19 became fear over faith. But what changed? When the winds or the disease or COVID or the CDC or whoever they are supposed to be, that rhymed if you didn't notice, the winds became louder than the word. So what we need to realize is we are not supposed to live in fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has what not say not, given us a spirit of fear. But what? Of power and of love and a sound mind. You're not going to have a sound mind without love. And you're not going to have a sound mind without love and without power to live and the strength and conviction to do what you're supposed to do for God. That word power is the Greek word dunamis. It has two meanings. It means to annihilate, explode like dynamite, but it also means to build up and to transfer power, like, you know, uh, something at a dam that brings the water in, the power, and it transfers and makes it stronger. So we need to realize that fear will cause you to start sinking, cause your relationships to sink, cause your bank account to sink, your health to sink, your joy to sink, your peace to sink, your love to sink, your faith to sink. You'll be doubting everything now. So you have to make a decision, you know, am I going to stop sinking or am I going to start focusing on the truth so I can be free? And then finally, <clears throat> faith does what? It comes by placing our eyes back on Jesus. That's what happened in verses 30 through 33. Uh, and he said, save me. And Jesus, what, immediately reached out and saved him and grabbed him. And he didn't say you didn't have any faith. He just said you have little faith. It's better than no faith like some of the other dudes hanging out there. 
and, and the wind stopped and the storm ceased. You know, as soon as the test is over, things calm down. You want things to calm down to end the test. <laughs> Kingdom doesn't work that way. It's kind of like if I want my hand shaken, I got to sew my hand or it's not going to get shaken, right? If I want people to smile at me more, I need to start smiling at people. And I, It's a kingdom of sowing and reaping. Now, in the kingdom of God, if I want to live, I got to die. So I can what? Be born again, right? If I want to receive, the Bible says I got to give. Hmm. So, so the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of this world. And what we got to understand, guys, as we're walking through this process, we're praying for the storm to end. And that's the wrong prayer. Pray that you see him more, that you get greater revelation, that you love him more, that you have more determination than you ever had before, that you're going to have peace. Now, this gives you even more peace because the devil could have killed you and he didn't, and you're still here and you're still alive, and you're even in church today. But listen online. So, so listen, you, we spend time praying for the test to end, and it just keeps going on. You're not going to celebrate the victory until the test is over. So instead of praying for the test to end, the circumstances to end, keep praying to get closer to God and obeying his voice and doing whatever little or small thing he asks you to do. And as you do that, you will come through the test, as they say in the old days, with flying colors. You'll be bright and shiny above a lot of people in a lot of circumstances. So Hebrews 12 says this, verses 1 and 2, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us let us run with, the, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Didn't say run the fastest. Said with perseverance. Anybody believe this thing? I said, oh, this thing won't last a month. Surely it'd be over by summer. Oh, Lord, surely it'd be over by spring. Oh, yeah, God, you're going to end this thing, aren't you, by fall. And then I finally realized, Dalton, you, you just, you just an echo. You, you're not a voice. You know, we can echo our circumstances all day. Did you see that? Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. But you didn't change anything. You just an echo, oh, 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 oh. I hurt. Er, 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 er. I mean, start going around your neighborhood and telling people how bad you got it, and they'll go, sit down, let me tell you a real story. Most people are battling it. You know, the Fields family's blessing that they come through and got some promotions and other things, and Zach and those guys come through. But, you know, it didn't start out that way, did it? It didn't start out that way. So I want you to realize the battle is not over until God's done. But you're going to be greater than anything that the enemy ever tried to put on you, and he owes you. He's in debt to you now. So let us run with perseverance the race that is race marked out for us. Make sure you're on the right racetrack. If you're a mature saint, don't try to run on the beginner's track. What's well, a beginner's track? Well, you know, remember the uh, the old picture, you know, it used to be on our parents' or our grandma's wall, and it had Jesus, right? And it had the, the little things that said, uh, what is it about the footsteps? Footprints in the sand. And it's like, Jesus, I had footsteps, footsteps, and oh, everything was bad, Lord. But then, you know, I look back, when you picked me up, there were no prints in the sand because he was carrying you. Whatever it is, something like that. I'm looking for no footprints. I'm looking for Jesus to carry me. And so you want to live that expected end, the book of Jeremiah says you have, that expected end that God has to bless you. 
right, and to take you through. So the key in doing that is that you run with perseverance, but you run on the right racetrack. You've got to be on the right track. Because if you're still looking for Jesus to carry you, he might let you walk another mile or five miles because you need to be the one now that fills his faith without seeing whether there's footprints or not in the sand. Footprints are your circumstances, what you're coming through, right? So make sure you're on the right track. If you're a mature saint, you probably won't get as much evidence as a new believer. They'll get more evidence of God and everything else through this, and God will show up. He'll show up in their coffee. I don't know. He'll just show up. I just saw that cup over there, and I just felt the love of Jesus. You're going, man, I haven't felt no love. All I've been doing is working overtime and making less. Oh, you've been saved 20 years. You're on the wrong racetrack, Jack. You need to celebrate that new beginner and get on the big boy, the big girl tracks, what you need to be on, because it's even a greater reward. Say a greater reward. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our so if I'm going to recalibrate my faith, i got to recalibrate it away from fear. If I want to move out of anxiety and panic, then i got to recalibrate my faith, get rid of fear, so I can walk in peace. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Gertrude, he's letting us go. Let's hurry. When they stand up, we can slip out and get to Bob Evans first. <clears throat> Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're in here today, and Maybe you were here last week, maybe not, but you find yourself in this storm. You find yourself in this battle. You find yourself in this fight, and you don't know Jesus. And I, I, I really, this was a tough fight. This has been a tough fight for everyone, whether you faced a lot, people you love and know faced a lot, right? So it's been a tough, long haul, long winter, long fight. And I don't even know how you make it not having Jesus in your life. I, I really don't. I, I feel so sorry. My heart is even more broken toward those that don't know Christ. Because, man, it's been a challenge, hasn't it, just knowing Christ and keep your eyes on him and, and get through this thing. So I just want to call all of you out with no one looking around, and you say, man, I, I'm tired. I need Jesus. Maybe you once had a relationship with him, but you're so far away from him now. You, you, he's not made it to your boat yet, right, because you haven't asked him to. And you're just out there in the storms, and you're tired of it, and you want to be back at his will for your life. You want to be born again. You want to be blood-bought. Maybe you watched online today. You're, just, you're tired of the struggle, and you're ready to come home to Jesus, and you're ready to have him in your boat with you and to fight with you and to stand with you. That's you today. You're just tired of those sins that easily beset you. It doesn't take much to get you off track. You just want to live a different life and be a better representative of God and to other people and be an influencer and enjoy this journey, to have peace that passes your own understanding. If that's you, do you say, I'm ready to meet Jesus? On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you just right where you are. Just be like those 31 people last week. God bless them. I, there was more than that, I'm sure, but that's the ones that we counted and know of. And say, man, I, I, I just want Jesus today. I don't want religion. I'm not asking to join your church. I just want Jesus. I want my sins gone. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior today. I want to be born again and blood-bought and know that I'm going to heaven. If that's you, on a count of three, raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand high so I can see it. I want to pray for you right now. Raise your hand. Amen. Is there any hands? Am I missing any? Wow. You guys must be really hungry or all saved, I guess. I don't know. All right. Every heart free and clear. 
Well, we'll have the prayer room back here on the right, so you can go back there if you didn't want to raise your hand in here. And you online, just say yes, and someone will get on and pray with you. How about this? You say, man, I just need to be re-fired up for God during this fight. I, I just need to recalibrate to where I'm walking in a greater level of faith than I have been or I even could imagine. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. I'm ready to recalibrate, Pastor. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and every name that is named must bow its knee to your name, Lord Jesus, the Lord and Savior. So right now, Father, we just come against fear and anxiety and hopelessness and worry and depression and all those things that circumstances, Lord, that would bring fear and separation of our faith from you. You, you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You love us the same yesterday, today, and forever. But Lord, we just need to up it on our end and give all of our worry, fear, and anxiety and our suffering to you. So we just give it to you now because you said you could carry our burdens and carry our disease, carry our poverty, and carry our sin. And you have done that. You've already paid the price for it. So God, we just cast it back to you and we receive your grace today through faith that we are saved. We receive your grace through faith that we walk at a higher level. We receive your grace through faith that we are free like never, ever before, that our faith is recalibrated to live at heights and levels for you and a greater impact for you than we ever dreamed we could, even before COVID. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. If you believe that, give God a big shout. Man, I sure do love you. Bring some folks back next week. See you next week. Awesome, awesome.